The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Talking about Elvis this evening or this morning or whenever you're hearing it. Um, we brought on here, uh, we being my multiple personalities, brought on uh, one of the Canadians that did the episode about the election, or actually in the Patreon portion, which we recorded after the election was done with. Uh, this was the, uh, you know, fraudulent election up in Canada that just concluded. And of course, Trudeau won, right? But I brought on this, uh, this great individual, Shayla, who brought the idea to me to talk about Elvis and Priscilla and, um, you know, a little bit about Lisa Marie. And we talk about the Memphis Mafia and all these, uh, you know, really weird kind of occult people that. I mean, obviously, anytime someone rises to the level that Elvis did, there's conspiracy surrounding their name and their success and their upbringing. And we touch on all that. One thing that I didn't mention that was very interesting uh, when I was doing my research was that Elvis, his name alone is very interesting. Um, You know, I always am very interested in like the symbolism and how. I mean, Elvis is a unique name itself, right? I, I don't know if there's anyone before him that was named Elvis. I could be 100% off base with that. But Eblis or Eblis, uh, there are two pronunciations for this word. Eblis is the um, the Islamic version of Satan. So, I mean, you know, the exact same deal does the same way that Christians or us in America or, you know, in the West think about uh, the devil, Eblis, is that version in Islam. So I found that very interesting. Eblis, Elvis, very similar sounds. Um, obviously, you know, it's a stereotypical idea that Elvis, you can just scramble the words around, you get evils. Um, I found it very interesting, just the the upbringing of him. You know, they were brought up pretty, you know, allegedly fairly religious. But at the same time, he was never singing in church. He was always kind of a weirdo. He wanted to play football, but he didn't want to cut his hair. He dyed his hair black. And this was all very, uh, there was a stigma to doing this kind of stuff back when, you know, Elvis was growing up. 
And we talk about how Elvis had a twin that passed away right when they were born. His name was Jesse. And there's a lot of weird energy behind, uh, you know, twins like that as well. He's also a Gemini. So that feeds into that whole theory of the uh, multiple personalities, his military service and how he goes in. And as he's going into the military, he joins the army instead of getting a more secure position with priority housing. Uh, convinced by his handler Tom Parker, who was also his manager, um, you know, to to join a more risky position in the military, and as he's being relocated to Germany, his mother passes away. So if we're gonna dive down that mind control rabbit hole, you know, the traumatic experience of losing the parent that you love the most, and Elvis did love his mother more than he loved his father, um, from my research. Um, it's very, very weird that he's going over to Germany, kind of has this traumatic experience go down, ends up meeting a minor over there. I believe she was 14 when they met. And Shayla knows a lot more about the specifics and the dates and gives a really good timetable of how everything worked out. Um, but yeah, meets this chick, comes back from Germany addicted to uh, barbiturates and uh, stimulants, which they use those in mind control operations too. But the traumatic experience of losing a mother, that's going to, that's going to, you know, cause a a possible split in personality. And when pumped full of drugs, I mean, that's going to just sort of accentuate that. And uh, it was very, very weird. And this is when he comes back and he starts having some, some interesting um, allegations brought towards him. So, Hope you enjoyed the episode. It was very, very fun. If I sound different or I seem a little off, I'm very sick right now. More so when I, we actually recorded the, the uh, m- uh, meat of this episode. Um, I don't have COVID, I don't think. It doesn't feel like COVID. I've had COVID, I believe, twice. So unless I got some new weird strain that uh, hasn't really been uh, you know, pushed to the front as far as the mainstream media goes. But um you know, you just feeling like shit, just feeling shitty. So, uh, and, and I'm a little off mentally right now. I will say that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, called out of work the other day um, when we recorded this. But, um, you know, the show must go on. So as always, shows brought to you by DangerousWorldStore.com. Uh, two new shirts on there. We got that AOC ripoff where uh, instead of taxing the rich, we're, we're, uh, we're fighting to defund the IRS. Because what do our tax dollars do anyway? You know, the Taliban's getting all of our fucking money. Um, our roads look like shit. The schools suck. We're paying a bunch of communists to teach our kids a bunch of bullshit that doesn't even have any value in this society. So it is what it is. And guys, I always appreciate you uh, heading over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You can uh, hear the entire episode of this one and many other episodes for just $3 a month. And if you are a $5 tier subscriber, you also get those shirts from the website for just $10 with free shipping instead of $17.76. So uh, thank you for all your support, guys. Thank you for bearing with me, uh, you know, through my my brain fog and my uh, raspy voice, raspier than usual. Shayla killed it in this episode. Follow her. Uh, She plugs her social media. And uh, it'll be in the show notes as always. So thank you to her. Thank you to Canada for being such a great Northern brother and sister, Northern family, if you will. Uh, This was fun, guys. So um, learn a little bit about Elvis and how much he was uh, obsessed with demons and even Madame Blavatsky. It's fascinating. Really, really cool stuff. 
And um, just the similarities between him and Michael Jackson, the other king of music, are uh, are really, really fascinating to me. And obviously to Shayla here, who brought this to my attention. So big ups over there, okay? Never said that before on this show. But uh, yeah, guys, enjoy the show. And I'll hear from you or you'll hear from me. See, this is how fucked I, up I am. You will hear from me in a couple of days. Thank you so much. All right, folks, I brought on a Canadian buddy here, Shayla. Uh, she was in the Patreon portion of that uh, whole Justin Trudeau, um, you know, kind of episode. We we're, th- we we're thinking that we could possibly, you know, try to get into some shit that wasn't so political. It would be, you know, so- and you brought up this really cool stuff about Elvis just when we were kind of shooting the shit a little bit. And you told me some things that made me go down a rabbit hole of my own with the satanic connection, the Illuminati, the occult and all this good stuff with Elvis. So first of all, how are you doing out there in Canada? I'm doing fabulous. Um, you know, it's a solid, uh, I think I Googled it 60 something Fahrenheit here. <laughs> you serious? Yeah. It's Canada. It's cold. That's very nice. Yeah. Beautiful. And beautiful. you guys go off Celsius. This is why. And you know, that's what's so weird too. I always think of that. That United States is the only country that does this Fahrenheit shit, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, you know, I only use Fahrenheit for the oven, but. Uh... <laughs> well, hey, and and so they don't do Celsius for the oven. Uh, I think it's on both. I used to sell appliances, so I'm pretty sure your oven can be set to either Celsius or Fahrenheit. That is so weird. So, okay, well, I mean, I'm not even going to get into that because I'm not smart <laughs> enough for that shit. So, what made you want to get into Elvis? Because you know, Elvis is this American icon. I know he's like world renowned, but you seem to know a lot more about Elvis and his weird sort of allegations than most Americans would. Uh, I don't know if that's the truth. I think a lot of this Elvis stuff is out there. It's just, you know, it's painted as a beautiful fairy tale. Uh, My personal background is I'm very much into fifties music. That's my choice music. So as a, as a teenager, I listened to a ton, you know, back in those days, it was the iPod, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. so I listened to tons of Elvis, Buddy Holly, Everly Brothers. That's kind of my music of choice. And back then I read this book. It's called Child Bride by uh, Susan, Suzanne Finstad. And that's about Priscilla Presley. I was fascinated by her back then. And just a few months ago, I kind of dabbled back into it. Um, you saw her. You saw her in Elvis's wedding photos, correct? I did. And it's very interesting. And I saw some more uh, kind of out there theories about, you know, because she's had so much plastic surgery. At yeah. This point. Um, as a 16 year old back then, I, I thought she was absolutely radiant. I wanted to look like that. Right. You know, she's mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. So it kind of got me reading, um, reading about her. And she's kind of an, an enigma in and of itself. Um, no one knows anything about her. She came out of nowhere. And a lot of the information about her is false that's out there. So when she wrote her autobiography called Elvis and Me, and I believe it was 1982, it was an instant bestseller, like instantly. It's, I think it's still in print today. It's such a big bestselling book for that reason, because people wanted to know about her and wanted to know how she met Elvis, X, Y, Z, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, definitely got me interested in it because it seems it's painted up as this fairy tale when in the reality she was a 14 year old who arguably was sold to Elvis. Well, and that's what I want to get off right off the bat. I want to talk about that a little bit because um, so Elvis, for some reason, went into the military when he was doing a really good job with his music. Right. Right of his career. Yeah. And it's insane. And I know that like the older generations at the time, they were really against his 
satanic and like this demonic like movements that he was making he was doing a lot of you know pelvic thrusting and dancing in a very sensual way especially for the time so the theory there is that he went and served in the armed forces he went into the army as opposed to like a more uh you know kind of safe thing that um he he was thinking about doing but his handler convinced him to go into the army and his handler who um, I'll, I'll find his name right here. It was his manager too. He was a colonel in the 64th. Yeah. Co- Do you know his name off the top of your head? Colonel Parker, I believe is his name. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. think of his first name. Tom Parker is his name. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is where, you know, cause I'm obsessed with mind control and how that kind of feeds into all this pop culture stuff. And, you know, the army was doing all kinds of mind control projects during the fifties and the sixties. And like, obviously continuing on, I think today. And, you know, this dude, this this Tom Parker convinces him to go into the army. They, you know, Elvis goes to Germany, but right before that, his mother dies. So that's a little bit of a, of a traumatic experience for sure, right? So this is like laying the foundation for trauma-based mind control. And then he goes over to Germany, meets this young girl, right, in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they met in Germany. And so he, he gets addicted to uh, benzos and stimulants which are, you know, they would use those in mind control projects too. I mean, the the dots are connecting here and they're not, it's not a stretch to think that he was some sort of uh, like a plant for the, the agencies to, you know, manipulate the minds of kids and the youth as a whole. And then obviously it trickles up into like, you know, older generations at the time as well. But what are your thoughts on that right off the bat? Do you think that he was like, you know, put there in place to, uh, you know, change culture in a big way? Or do you think he was just talented dude? You know, I find it hard. I, I think there's a point when you get ex- as successful as he is, you, you got to be on, in on it to some degree, right? You know, sure. you wouldn't get to that level without without it. But my kind of thoughts is I kind of think he, he's controlled opposition to some degree. Obviously, in the early 50s, he, you know, he danced, he, he did all that, and he was hated by conservatives. But by the time the 60s happened, he was uh, very against the counterculture of the 60s. He hated the Beatles. He loathed John Lennon. And the reason he loathed John Lennon was the Beatles, you know, came to America, made a bunch of money, trashed American culture, and then went back to England, right? So he, that was kind of his stance. So, you know, it's hard for me to come to an exact conclusion myself on whether, you know, he was a super dark person or not. I can't say for sure. Um, I definitely do think that you're probably right with some of the mind control aspects. You know, you watch videos of them and they seem very odd, especially yeah. the wedding videos in particular, right? It does seem like they're kind of in a daze and we've seen that countless times through celebrities. Well, everybody, you know how much I love Manscaped, but I'd like to talk about them anyway, okay? Not only have they added three inches in girth to my male member, They've done a lot more for me in my personal life, but I'm not going to talk about that because, as you know, I'm not feeling 100% because I do believe that one of these immigrants flocking over from the southern border possibly has given me Ebola or the plague, possibly the bubonic plague. I don't know. I'm concerned, but at the same time, I'm feeling good. We're staying on top of our health. I'm getting a lot of vitamin D. I'm staying healthy, but Manscaped is part of my health regimen, believe it or not. I don't know if I'm really allowed to say this because the tests are being ran right now, but Manscaped cures hepatitis, okay? 
it cures all the things that may be ailing you right now. And I know that you probably thought I was going to say something else, but that's just not the case. We're, we don't want to spread uh, medical misinformation, but Manscaped is especially here to make sure that you don't cut up your nutsack this summer. Or what is it, fall? I'm telling you, my mind is a blur right now. Manscaped is going to make sure that you're set up. Like I said, everyone is cuddling up in the autumn here because it's starting to get cold. The leaves are turning. Your pubes are possibly changing colors. But going to the website, manscaped.com, entering the promo code DANGER will get you 20% off all their great stuff. Okay? You've got the Performance Package 4.0. That's going to include... The Lawnmower 4.0, which is that pube trimmer or beard trimmer, whatever you want to trim with it. The, like I say all the time, the lawnmower doesn't know what hair it's cutting. You can shave your dog with this thing. Uh, it's so quiet and it's not going to tug on your little dog's hair. You can do whatever you want with it. I'm telling you. The Weed Whacker, I would not use on your dog because that's for your ear and nose hair uh trimming needs right you get the crop preserving ball deodorant which i'm a big fan of you rub that on your sack if you don't have time to shower and anyone can uh fiddle around down there and uh you know it's going to be a a win-win for you and it uh crop uh crop reviver toner which is going to make sure that your nuts don't hang like dried up raisins they're going to look nice and full nice and tight skin uh, they're not going to swing around and you're not going to have that weird little uh, piece of skin that just is sitting there. I don't know if everyone else has that, but I know I do. And I want to make sure that you guys don't suffer from the same things that uh, I am myself. The uh, performance boxer briefs, which don't ride up. They don't turn into a thong throughout the day. I've mentioned this several times and you get a nice little travel bag. They call it the tool shed. Awesome, awesome company, manscaped.com, 20% off, entering the promo code DANGER, okay? You get free shipping, too. doesn't matter where you're at in the world, as far as I know. I know on the website, they have, like, Canada, England, most of the Western world, right? Uh, I don't know if they do Australia. Australia is screwed in so many ways right now, and it would just be adding insult to injury if they couldn't receive Manscaped for the... uh, you know, awesome rates that they're giving right now. It's just like you're getting pepper sprayed as a 70 year old woman um, by some cops just because you don't want to be forced to do things that you don't want to do. And on top of that, you're not able to get manscaped for your elderly husband who hopefully left you in his will when he's about to pass away. But maybe not. You know, sometimes these guys are gold diggers, even though they are, uh, you know, maybe you even added some years onto their life because you've been as this 70-year-old woman that just got pepper sprayed, you were bending over backwards to make sure that this guy that probably doesn't care about you, even though you've been married for 50 years, is is okay and he's on par. And you're trying to make sure that his sack is tuned up or his beard or whatever. And it's a a dog-eat-dog world, and especially um, to our our buddies uh, down there uh, in the land down under. I don't know where I'm going with this. As always, I try to make these fun, but uh, my head is just fucked right now. So, Manscaped, I really appreciate you. Uh, this was the first full month uh, having them on board. So, depending on if you guys, uh, you know, like them enough on uh, on the show here and supported the gracious discount that they have been giving you all, if you took advantage of it, 20% off with the promo code DANGER. Um and plus free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code danger. 
at manscaped.com. Make sure your balls are a priority this fall. Choose Manscaped, and your balls will thank you. But Australia probably won't uh, because, you know, it's just a shit show down there. So thank your lucky stars that you're here in the United States. Australia, God bless you. Canada, you guys are probably next. The UK is probably not too far behind Canada. And I mean, you know, we're going to be the last one standing. So uh, let's see what's going on. Pray for my Ebola to go away and we'll see what's up. And it's very interesting that he hated the Beatles. I didn't know that, actually, because John Lennon was quoted as saying before Elvis, there was nothing like, you know, propping him up as a god almost. Right. Um, I know that for a fact that John Lennon looked up to him a lot of like Bruce Springsteen looked up to him in a big way. A lot of artists look up to him. Uh, Madonna's a big one, too. And I'll get into her a little bit later. But it's just it, it's very interesting that these music genres like rock was really the first one. Right. Yeah, so exactly. Being, being played outside um in small small venues and then like in the 60s 70s 80s uh arguably the 90s still um it was it was played in arenas and it was selling out so much everyone was listening to this kind of music but it had humble beginnings just like hip-hop does today i mean hip-hop they used to do this stuff in or, or i should say rap is what it really was they were doing like you know in ghettos and apartments and it was just about like rap battling it was literally just being as masterful with your rhyming as possible. And now it's gotten to the point where it's kind of like dethroned rock as the genre of choice among kids and, you know, all kinds of ages. But we're starting to see that same satanic programming in hip hop as we did with rock back then. You know what I mean? And it's just crazy that like, it seems like you can't get something too big without a little bit of this demonic uh, sort of subtext to it. It's, It's very interesting to me. No, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me how Elvis even got big in the first place. You know, some of his first biggest songs weren't even his own music, right? Yeah. That's all right, Mama was his biggest hit. That was sung by a black man on the, that. I don't even know if it got on the radio because it was segregated back then with radio and things like that for the original singer of that song. And they really romanticize Elvis's beginning. So um, the story goes that he was uh, Sun Records. Sun Records discovered a few musicians, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, and Elvis being one. And the story always goes that Elvis went there to record a record for his mother for her birthday or something like that. Mm. And then the guy there discovered him and then the rest is history. But Sam Phillips. Yeah, Sam Phillips. But that's completely false. Elvis grew up so poor, his family didn't even own a record player. He was hanging outside that record studio to get discovered, right? Like that's... You know, there's so much of these things that, again, like I was saying, make it sound like some kind of fairy tale, right? When, you know, that's what he was doing. He was hanging out outside of Sun Records, hoping to get a record deal, right? So so do you think that his, that his parents, because his parents, they, they're interesting, too. They went to churches. I think uh, he was born in Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Tupelo. To, okay, perfect. So, yeah, so he was in Mississippi. They move over to uh, Tennessee, and his mother had a big alcohol problem. I can relate. And, uh, you know, it was just a very interesting thing because they're they're going to the churches. They make it seem like they're a very religious couple. Um, you know, Elvis's parents. I forget his father's name, but his Vernon, Vernon and Gladys. Right. Yeah. But uh, so, Vernon was actually arrested and was in jail when Elvis was a child for writing fraudulent checks. So that obviously yeah. would be would be a significant trauma for a young Elvis. And they think that's probably what led to led to this kind of fixation on his mother because his father was gone during the beginning because he was in jail. 
Well, and it's very interesting because where, you know, where Elvis was buried in Graceland, he wanted to be buried next to his mother, right? Yeah. But he was buried next to his father and they spelled his name wrong, despite all the money going into it. And I think we should mention that you, that you said that you were there. You went to Graceland. I was. And I've, not, I've never even been. And I'm like way closer than you are there. Yeah, no. So uh, I went in 2012. My uh, my dad took me on a massive road trip across the US of A. I think I went to 13 states that trip. And uh, Memphis was one of our stops. We went to Graceland. We went to Sun Records. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting there. Um, a thing I'll mention, which it makes, you know, Elvis, Elvis was known to be a very giving person. There's a whole room there that has plaques from all these organizations in Memphis that he donated to. You know, like there was plaques, Girl Scouts of Memphis, you know, Memphis Knitting Circle, you know, Jewish organization, all plaques that Elvis donated money to. So, you know, he definitely made uh, an impact on the community for sure. What's the vibe like there? Because it seems like and it's very interesting that a lot of the focus on Elvis is around his death. It's not his birthday. Um, You know, his death is the big focus. And and he there's a lot of shrines to him. It's almost like he's like a Christ like figure to his fans. Well, you know, if you're going to call somebody the king, you know, that yeah. does kind of feel Christy to me, right? And, you know, we'll talk about a little later if we get into Lisa Marie, you know, Michael Michael Jackson was called the king of pop, right? So, sure. you know, he's arguably the 90s, 80s equivalent of Elvis, right? Just that hero worship. And kind of where I was going to get the conversation going is, you know, that people overlook all this stuff about Elvis. You know, he was dating a 14-year-old girl and we all ignore it. Well, and you I know, think we... that that's that's part of the whole thing. And and thank you for solidifying the point of some of, of um, you know, hip hop and pop taking taking the throne away from from rock. You know, yeah, your point is of like Elvis being the king of rock and then it, it kind of shifting over to Michael Jackson. A lot of the same problems, as you pointed out, a lot of allegations of pedophilia. But for some reason, it's probably because, you know, the Internet wasn't around during Elvis's day and all these things. But um I, I just wanted to finish off talking about like his whole death idea because he died um, August 16th, 1977, correct? I believe so. Yeah. And that is Madonna's 19th birthday. She was born in 1958. And there's very, very interesting allegations against Madonna um, where Madonna essentially sacrificed him so that she could take his place. And obviously, you know, Michael Jackson was around and all that stuff. Um, but Madonna's a big Kabbalist, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, she's practicing Kabbalah. And the 19th birthday is very significant because you get the one and the nine or the alpha and the omega. And at the beginning of the pandemic, when COVID-19 was breaking out, I realized and I, I discovered through research that 19 is the number of submission. So, you know, with the number of submission, her, her you know, the king of rock dying on this up and coming stars uh birthday 19th birthday it's almost like passing a torch in a very esoteric fashion i don't know if if i'm grasping at straws there do you see that or no i kind of do um i'm not super into numbers myself i've kind of that's not where i dabble into conspiracies but i definitely find it interesting and elvis's death i know i was telling you earlier seem does seem kind of odd for me right because they call it heart disease but then they call it an overdose and elvis was a drug addict a functional one for 20 years right yeah. And from what I heard is a few days before he died, he had a dentist appointment and they had given him some antibiotics because he was get, getting a root canal or something later on. And that was what that was the combination that killed him. Don't quote me for sure, but that's what I've heard float around. And they say Elvis's health really went down after Priscilla divorced him in 1972. 
And that's when you visibly see Elvis start to go downhill. That's when he got fatter and obviously looked very ill. If you look at his last few performances, he looked ill. Yeah. Like he, he didn't look well. For the record, I love fat Elvis. I think he's better than skinny Elvis. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm not skinny, so who cares? <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, I'm not either. I'm just saying yeah. fat Elvis is the shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and those those outfits, right? And you know, he the karate moves on stage, right? And well, it's kind of funny. His outfits were modeled after the Eastern, uh, like the Eastern religions. And that's what, yeah. you know, he was a big fan of Madame Blavatsky and Madame Blavatsky took these Eastern religions and like gave them to the West. And he used to read the, uh, the book, the, the voice of silence, I think it was to, uh, his audiences. And, you know, and it's very, it's just really weird when you have like the Hitler connection with Madame Blavatsky, um, obviously very satanic. And like I said, just taking the Eastern religions making them so subliminal in Elvis's music to where, you know, his, his outfits are modeled after these things. I just find it very interesting, but, um, but let's get into your stuff here. Cause I'm, I'm very interested. So you had, um, we, we talked about Graceland here and, and um, just the whole focus around his death versus his birth. It's a lot of focus on negativity versus positivity. Um, where do you want to start with the Priscilla stuff? Because this is well, very weird to me. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give everybody kind of maybe a timeline of Priscilla's life so we can kind of get get the idea of it. It's a very interesting Perfect. life she lived. So she was born in 1945. Her birth father, his name was, I uh, can't think of his first name, but his actual last name is Wagner. Priscilla Beaulieu was her adopted name. So he died just towards the end of the Second World War. He died in a plane crash. And uh Priscilla, Priscilla's mother ended up marrying a man that there's some allegations about of alcoholism and possibly sexual abuse of Priscilla. Mm. And the way Priscilla talks about her father kind of does, you know, she always talks about how Grady, Grady is, right? And, you know, she talks a lot about it. So you kind of think that she's kind of trying to convince herself when she talks about him. But uh, then her father, her stepfather adopted her when she was three. So her name became Priscilla Beaulieu. And they were army. He was a captain or something like that in the united states army they moved around a lot and towards the end of the late 1950s they moved to germany and obviously that's where she met elvis in 1959 she was 14 years old and then um, a few years later after elvis was gone she moved to graceland at 17 and lived with elvis wow. and finished high school in memphis at graceland married him at 21 divorced him at 26 he Died a few years later. Um, when his father died, she became the ex. The she kind of controlled Lisa's inheritance, and currently now she is the head, like president of Elvis Presley Enterprises. Keep in mind, she's an ex-wife, not a widow. Yeah, and she is the president of his organization, right? That's very she weird. Was, and who was his wife? It was Ginger. Was his wife when he passed away? Correct. Uh, they weren't married. It was just oh, okay. his girlfriend or whatever. But, gotcha. Uh, and Priscilla is also a Scientologist. She became a Scientologist after Whoa. Elvis's death. Yes. Lisa Marie's a Scientologist. I believe Lisa's daughter is as well. And I believe, I could be wrong, but I, I believe that most of the heads of Elvis Presley Enterprises are Scientologists. Wow. And there is the allegations too that, um, was it Anton LaVey or was it L. Ron Hubbard that Elvis was hanging out with? Do you know off the top of your head? Or uh, I don't know, but I know that. So Elvis went on his spiritual thing in the sixties. He was heavily reading all kinds of different Eastern stuff. I didn't really read about him reading into Satanism, but I, I know he was reading into Eastern philosophies, things like that, but he did check out the the Scientology uh, 
headquarters or whatever in California. And obviously they were very excited when Elvis came kind of thing. And he actually hated it. Scientology, he hated it, right? He, he's like, oh, all they want is my money. So he never really dabbled into it at all. So I find it ironic that after he dies, his wife, who did not support him during that spiritual journey, that's the religion she went with, the one Elvis hated the most, right? So yeah, it's kind of like a, a final slap in the face. And yeah, I have this really interesting quote um, from Elvis. He says, someday in the near future, we'll see how the so-called ministers of God react as their worn out old ways of the old age start crumbling. They'll all get theirs. I can't wait until this new age comes. The new age that he's speaking about is the age that um, Alistair Crowley was talking about with you know everyone's going to be a god um you know it, it just and and that right there and he also gave a lot of credit to satan for his his rise to power they called him the fifth member of the band um so oh, wow. I, it's fascinating like i forget who it was that was in his band because you know i should know a lot more about elvis my grandma was obsessed with elvis dude so like, was mine. <laughs> really i think everyone was man i think yeah everybody was yeah that's part of that generation's thing, the great generation um, where you have, I mean, in my, in my grandma's house before she passed away, she had uh, like toys of Elvis in like boxes, you know, like all, so the dust wouldn't get on them. And very, very, uh, th- I mean, this episode would, would probably piss her off. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk grandma. about it too much. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> but it, you know, and, and it's just interesting, but a lot of pop culture figures are like that. We, we kind of put these people on a pedestal and this is like the, the worship of false idols in a way. And, um, I, I do just find it really fascinating that uh, one of his band members would say that sometimes they would come into the studio and it would seem like the songs were already written for them. Like Elvis would just kind of like speak these things out and they would write them down and then they'd play them and everything just came together so smoothly always. Kind of like how you hear about like the Eagles doing the same kind of stuff with like Hotel California and all these weird things. But um, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. Go on with with your stuff. Okay, so we'll talk about when Priscilla met Elvis. So she uh, moved to Germany in late 1959. She was 14 years old, um, just shot, like just turned 14. And um, so there's a man, his name's Curry Grant. Uh, did you read it about him at all when I told you about his name? Curry no. Grant? Curry so Grant, Curry, no. So he's a, he was a friend of Elvis's, a good friend. He was married, he's like 27, right? And he worked at some bar club they had in Germany that american families and people service people visited and priscilla went in there and the second he walked she walked in he thought she was very attractive right he pursued her right obviously when he figured out she was 14 he got a little eh. (laughs) or did he he? well I'll, i'll get to that i'll get to that so he um priscilla claims that he went up to her and said hey i'm friends with elvis i can take you to a party or whatever And she's like, oh, okay, I'll ask my parents. And then, you know, it happens, right? But um, he talked to her a little bit, but she knew, apparently she had known that he knew Elvis and she pursued him almost sexually. They had sex, intercourse several times. And he he did this and uh, to, to take her to Elvis, right? Fascinating. And this is in that book. Yeah, that's in that book I was telling you about. Yeah, we'll have to. What's the title of the book? Uh, Child Bride by Suzanne Finstad. So we'll have to link that because definitely the readers should definitely, if they're interested in reading it, it's a fabulous book. And I'm inclined to believe this man because he's essentially confessing to having sex with a 14 year old girl. Right. And he, uh, he messed around with her for several months until he decided he was actually going to take her to meet Elvis. And he does. And Elvis is instantly smitten with Priscilla. And it's really funny because he said, 
his wife, he was married. So him and his wife took her to meet Elvis at Elvis's place in Germany. And they said she was like chewing gum, babbling like a teenager. But the second they got to that house, Priscilla put on a face, was completely composed and acted the perfect part for a girl to attract Elvis. And that night, Elvis took her to his, his bedroom. So do you think that she was, I know that you kind of alluded to this earlier, but do you think that she was under some sort of control from somebody? Because how do you just uh, go from being a, a cute kind of innocent teenager to a stone cold, uh, essentially a prostitute in this sense? You know, I find it, I find it hard, right? But if we, if we, I can't say for sure, but if we look at her childhood, um, I don't think that would be shocking for somebody who her parents, her mother and her stepfather hid her true father's identity. That's very traumatic for her. She figured out sure. as a teenager that, her father wasn't her father, right? That's one of the biggest traumas children can face, right? And also the implication that perhaps her father had molested her, or abused her, right? That that's not straight up allegations, but people did say that knew Priscilla, that her her stepfather was a mean drunk, and that Priscilla had a lock on her door, right? So, if she experienced that kind of trauma, it wouldn't be shocking to me that at fourteen, you know, that she would try that right Elvis she denies being an Elvis fan but people who knew her and went to school with her said she was one of the biggest Elvis fans wow and and you know we we make fun of like the whole term daddy issues but if that's going to be a very real thing if you have problems with your father your biological father whether it's not knowing who they are or whether they molested you or whatever um daddy issues are a real thing man and I think that that she may have absolutely wanted to try to find an old power, an older powerful figure to kind of replace, you know, her, her biological father. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely interesting because the way she talks about Elvis now, she references him as almost being a father figure to her, Mm. you know, that caricature style. I told you that she kind of possessed in the sixties that you saw photos of was Elvis's design. Elvis made her dye her hair. Elvis made her do the huge hair and the five pairs of false eyelashes. That was Elvis creating her into the woman he wanted her to be right like a barbie dicti- essentially yeah pretty much she does kind of look like a barbie and elvis didn't want her wearing like patterns or anything she had to wear solid colors all types of rules um apparently if her nail polish was chipped he'd like make her redo the whole thing um back then i think when she went to the dentist he paid for like the best porcelain fillings and all that kind of stuff right so and even elvis referred to her as like this little girl that he raised right so wow. i find it very odd as a adult woman i would never reference my partner as that type of figure to me right that seems very yeah. uh, very odd to me right i don't i don't they took it they took it so far that i think you know and i this is of course I, I believe after elvis passed away that uh priscilla had like an allergic reaction to botox because she had so much of it correct I think so. Yeah. Like definitely you can see her pictures. Uh, I think it started in like the two thousands that she does look, she doesn't look bad. Right. Yeah. She was a stunning, she was a stunning woman. Right. When she, she was in her like forties dating like 30, 30 year old men. Right. We're after her. Right. So. Interesting. Well, and that there's a theory about that, that that's a, like an Illuminati type punishment where it be like her or Mickey Rourke, like these people get like these intense amounts of plastic surgery and it's not because they necessarily want them. It's like, like, like mutilation. Right. And so this is just a theory. I don't know how much credence you can put into it, but it's very interesting to think that she was undergoing so much plastic surgery as a punishment. Yeah, I could. That's not surprising. Right. Uh, 
she was one she uh she dabbled pretty hard into it and her face is barely recognizable right yeah, yeah she yeah. would have aged a lot <laughs> better right for Probably. even with that even with that plastic surgery for 75 she doesn't look terrible right yeah yeah but yeah you're right she would have looked a lot better without that because yeah that stuff freaks me out yeah but we'll get back into about uh her meeting elvis so this curry guy um so when this book was being written or whatever this book here um the author talked to curry grant a lot a lot of his his um work is in here and he was apparently working on a book called elvis and priscilla that never got written but he gave this author all his notes and everything that he had had so he um Later on, I think once Priscilla kind of got her claws, so to speak, into Elvis and she was regularly visiting him, she ended up accusing him of raping her on one of like when he was driving her back home from Elvis's place. And uh, it's interesting because in 1996, right around when this book was being written, this author had Curry and Priscilla in the same room right kind of arguing about whether or not they'd had sex right and he's like we did we did you know that's you came up to me and I took you to meet Elvis right and uh Priscilla got so upset she left this interview and crashed her car on the on the way out (laughs) so that kind of tells you how desperately she is trying to kind of maintain this myth of how she met Elvis she's desperate in trying to to hide it right and I I don't blame her that would be very traumatic for a 14 year old like you know and then she apparently didn't even want to move to graceland right elvis wanted her to move to graceland she did not want to she was dating a boy in germany and she didn't want to and her parents essentially sold her to him and it's very bizarre how that happened so it was like something like march she went and was sent to graceland but her stepfather was going to be stationed in california so they were supposed to be going back to the united states anyways and then she would have graduated high school in Germany. But no, her her stepfather took special leave to personally fly her to the U.S. And it was something like two weeks before spring break. So it's like, if you're going to move between classes, it makes sense to move during spring break, right? But it was one random weekend. Her classmates uh, had no idea she was leaving. And she was put into an all-girls school in Memphis. And mm. the nuns there knew that this was Elvis's girlfriend. And even they didn't have a problem with it. There's interviews from these nuns in this book saying, oh, well, we were told that Priscilla was going to be leaving with his father. We thought living with Elvis's dad. So we didn't think it was weird. So I find absolutely bizarre that, you know, a Catholic nuns didn't have a problem with it. And is that just the enigma of Elvis, the personality of Elvis that makes people just kind of look over it? Well, I think, I mean, the Catholic Church, obviously the Vatican is very, very corrupt. And I don't think that Catholic schools are too far off from that. There's this really interesting thing because Elvis sung gospel too, right? Yes. And very religious people at the time thought that this was like blasphemous for him to be doing this because he would be mic'd up and in the car with his Memphis Mafia group and they're walking or they're driving around and he's talking about like, you know, orgies that he was having. And they're like, hey, Elvis, there's a mic up there on the ceiling in the car. And he'll just like start singing about Jesus. You know what I mean? Like without skipping a beat. And it's just, you know, people don't seem to care when it's someone like that. Again, it's false idol worship. And it's just putting these people on a pedestal, man. And, you know, it's funny as I continue going down like this whole um, like experience of, of doing a conspiracy podcast and and learning about all this stuff. I find myself talking more and more about God and the devil. I consider myself agnostic, 
But, you know, these elite power players and these pop culture figures, they seem to fall right in line with the way that the biblical worldview sort of casts out, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I don't know what that says. I, you know, I think I do believe that the same people that shot JFK wrote the Bible, you know, like those same bloodlines. But um, I don't know. I don't know. And I find it fascinating that that we continuously, especially like for me personally, I continuously see patterns here of the Catholic Church being the closest religion to Satanism. You know what I mean? It's weird. I totally agree with you, actually, Ryan. So I actually went to Catholic school. Did you? I did. Yeah. And uh, Catholic school in Canada is a little bit different than the U.S. It's not private. It was it's public school, but there's public Catholic schools, essentially. And I went through all 12 years of schooling in Catholic school. Yeah. And uh, I left high school kind of agnostic for the most part. But uh, when, you know, me and my my boyfriend dabbled into conspiracy theories, we saw so much of the Satanist stuff, which started to change my opinion, because I'm like, the elites think Satan's real, then wouldn't that make God real? Sure. Right. So that kind of solidified our belief. Right. And now we are for sure believers. That's good. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you, you would think that going to Catholic school, you would come out a devout Catholic, but there's something that they do as far as programming goes. It's it's traumatic. There's a lot of weird stuff in, in Catholic school that I experienced. And uh, we didn't talk about it in the Canada episode. But when we if we do another one, we'll have to discuss it. The residential schools. Right. Would you in would Canada. you want to get into a little bit of your experiences right now? Like, uh, sure, you... sure. I could. Uh, I can't think of too much off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, uh, they, we prayed, obviously, like, you know, we prayed, we had religious services in school. Um, but to, to me back then, that was almost more of like a chore, right? As a, as a child. Interesting. Right? So they're like, forcing you, know, you to pray instead of being like, yeah, hey, pray when you they want. They force us to pray. Yeah. Um, you know, it was only Christmas stuff, right? Like we didn't do any, like I know some public schools now, it's like a winter festival, not a Christmas, whatever they want to call it. Right. Um, so like a good friend of mine, my best friend who I went to high school, high school with all 12 years, she's very anti-Catholic. And, and she says the experiences of it really traumatized her, right? Mm. I can't say it did the same thing to me, but there was definitely some, uh, some interesting things of it. And I didn't really think much of the Catholics. But then once I kind of started to read, it kind of solidified my detest of Catholics. Yeah, it's weird, you know, because they do the same thing. Catholics are are notorious for for creating false idols. I believe with like saints. Actually, you know, I just you're worshiping sorry, people. I just I just thought of something that'll that would be relevant for for being traumatic when I was yeah. in school. So I never had to do this for some reason. You know, they never had enough time to get to me, but they did force us to do confession in high school and uh, i know some of my friends and classmates said like the priests were asking them if they like watched porn or like touched themselves and things like that wow and these are old men yeah old men right so that's uh pretty that was pretty creepy and i know a lot of the girls were super uncomfortable once they got out right as you would be at 16 15 years old right so so how is that any different than like the freaking uh like the what they're doing in schools right now you know what i mean as far as like they're they're trying to teach younger and younger kids about sex and and like the right wing is so up in arms about that, but they still support Catholic schools and like, you know, religion in that fashion, you know, religion, organized religion is a very, very corrupt thing, in my opinion. Now, I'm not against anyone that participates in it, but we start seeing this, the same stuff. And it's just like, instead of uh, putting God behind it, it's um, 
uh, political correctness is is now the thing. That's the new God is political correctness or scientism. So, I mean, that's fascinating that you bring that up like that. But um, I, I don't know. I, I can get off topic about all this shit because yeah. I find it very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, let's get back to to Priscilla here. Okay, so um, how I explained kind of how it was a weird circumstance is how she, how she moved there, right? Like her family was going to be moving there in three months anyways, but they insisted on this one weekend. And I believe, and most people believe, that was a transaction between Priscilla's parents and Elvis, right? Elvis mm. wanted her there as soon as possible, and they wanted whatever benefit they got from selling her, Buyer, sending yeah. her out there, Right. 17 years old being sent and her family was in Germany sent across to live like basically alone. Cause Elvis uh, did movies at the time. He was gone all the time. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know about you, but if I was a parent, no way I would ever send my 17 year old child across the country to live with a rock star. Right? 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and they make it sound like she makes her parents sound like they're so strict and like, oh, they hated that I was hanging out with Elvis. You know, I made them, I rebelled. And it's like, no, every, if, if you have any shred of common sense, you would see that your parents didn't care or they got a benefit from it. Or maybe she's seeing it in, a, in an alternative way. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, well, I hate to bring it to mind control always, but I think that I, I believe in that split personality thing. And I think that part of her actually believes that it went down the way that she's, she's yeah. recalling it. Well, and men, good thing you mentioned that like split personality. I'm not a big Zodiac person, but Priscilla was a Gemini. And people, oh, okay. do, there you go. people do describe people that knew her, dated her, things like that, said there was two Priscillas. There was the dark Priscilla that was very sexual. She was a very sexual person. Apparently that's why she didn't actually was compatible with Elvis. Cause apparently from, according to this book, Elvis like didn't really have penetrative sex. He was more into foreplay and that's why mm. he dated young women because young virginal women were satisfied with that type of, of sex. Right. When grown adult women aren't right necessarily. Right. So, yeah. um, so people describe Priscilla as that, right. And that, but then there was like the good that's Priscilla, weird. the demure, the demure Priscilla, you know, that uh, was perfect, right, kind of thing. So people who knew her definitely describe as that. And if we're going to get back to the whole sex part, um, yeah, apparently women who dated Elvis said that he only had sex with them a couple times. Interesting. That is fucking yeah. weird. I'm just looking up right now as we're going, uh, Elvis's, uh, you know, Zodiac versus hers. I'm not a big Zodiac person, but the Me significance neither. of the of the uh, Gemini is the twins, the split personality yeah. stuff. So I'm just going to look that up while you're while you're going here. Yeah. So um, with the sex stuff, yeah, like people, women who dated him said that he didn't. Right. And that was a big issue, which Priscilla says why they divorced. Right. Because she had Lisa and he didn't touch her anymore anymore after that kind of thing. But then we know that Elvis hung out with 14 year old girls and things like that. So it does seem very odd. So like, I don't know if we can confirm for sure whether Elvis was, you know, some kind of big sex freak or not. Right. But according to, to this, he's not. Well, there's, there's really, uh, there's videos of him talking about orgies, you know, and maybe in the orgies, he's just sitting there and letting, you know, women sit on his face or whatever and weird shit like that. But a real quick uh, Google search, overall Gemini and Capricorn are considered to be an incompatible Zodiac match. So that that's a very interesting deal where, uh, so, so all in all, why do you think that Elvis wanted to buy this young girl, Priscilla? Uh because he wanted to mold her into to be a perfect woman. Priscilla resembles his not only his mother, but she also resembles his uh, 
call it his long lost love, which was an actress named Deborah Paget, who was in Elvis's first movie called Love Me Tender. Apparently, Elvis was very much in love with her. And if you look at Priscilla, Priscilla looks just like her. Mm. Um, Elvis also fell in love with Anne Margaret, uh, one other one of his co-stars, who again resembles resembles Priscilla. So a lot of Elvis's love interests do kind of have that same look and they resemble his mother. So I think Elvis sought out a teenage girl that he could mold, right? That's weird. It's oh, it's almost like Woody Allen where he adopted. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, you know that guy? I can't think of his name right now. Oh, Doug Hutchinson or whatever. He was in the Green Mile. He married a sixteen-year-old girl. The the big in, like, the big black prisoner dude. No, uh, he was in the movie. He was uh, he was one of the guards, but he married her name's Courtney Stoughton, and he married her at sixteen. And if you look at photos of her, she looks like a porn star. Basically, she's in like eight inch heels and big fake boobs right so yeah that's not dressed in red i see her dressed in red right here the scarlet horror yeah yeah so you know because that's tell like i've always had an issue like i don't know if you do personally ryan i have an issue with men that constantly go after really young girls because if you can't get an adult girlfriend that tells me a lot about your character right tells me adult women kind of see through your bullshit essentially because me as an adult woman if i was seeing somebody and they wanted to control how i did my hair and makeup that would never fly right that would never 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 fly right but priscilla was enamored with it she took makeup classes and and she followed elvis's look to a t right so yeah at a certain point i definitely agree with you i think like when you see like like these people like hugh hefner i mean that that dude is such a creep and and you know uh there's the allegations that uh Bill Mars, his son, which is very interesting. They look oh, a lot alike. Oh, I've never alike. heard that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when you get to that point, but then there are women that actually do deliberately go after rich dudes, and a lot of a lot of rich dudes tend to be old. I know that that's not the status quo. I think a lot of girls as a whole are um, kind of turned off by old dudes. You know, like they want like a strong kind of alpha male type guy. But um, it is kind of interesting when you have like mean, gold digging is a thing, you know what I mean? A hundred percent on both sides. So um, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, that's, that would obviously be a thing, right? Chances, you know, as um, like 20, like young women, right. They go after older men because, you know, they have full-time jobs in their own places and things like that. Right. Or when they have daddy issues, right. Yeah. Or when you're, you know, when you're 18, 19, hanging around with guys those age, you know, they don't have that right so definitely that's an attractive part for women right yeah i think women are naturally inclined to be attracted to older men and men are generally um, programmed to be attracted to younger women so your problem is when it's like just deliberately well yeah if it's repeatedly right like you know if you're a guy like elvis dated constantly young women he ginger ginger alden the woman he was seeing at the time of his death Mm -hmm. was 19 and elvis was 42 Wow. So he never got okay, so that. he never he never got out of that phase. So his ideal th- woman was a teenager, essentially. Essentially, yeah. Like, and you know, he he'd stay with like he he stayed with Priscilla till she was twenty six, and apparently he would he probably would not have left her if she hadn't left him. But he had already manipulated and controlled her life to so much of a point that um, like he controlled everything she did. She never left the house. She never you know she had her friends were chosen for her, right? So her life was very. Uh, was very controlled and then it's telling because once she leaves elvis and then elvis dies she got a career of her own right and she acted she modeled things like that so that's kind of telling on her what life i there. think about these things is that that was a phase that she was supposed to she was supposed to act out that script where she was supposed to be with elvis for a certain amount of time 
he was going to die, obviously, because they got him addicted during what I believe to be a mind control period. They got him addicted to stimulants and, and uh, benzos, or, or I think it was barbiturates, actually. Um, they got him addicted to these things. They knew he was going to die. Uh, you know, the alcoholic gene, the addictive gene runs in his family because of his mother. And um, she had to make the sacrifice and her parents knew that. So they sold it to Elvis, sold her to Elvis. Uh, I say it like I'm thinking like them. That's kind of fucked up. My bad. <laughs> they sold her to Elvis. And then, uh, you know, she went on to to do her own thing. And like you say, sell a, a top selling book. You know, that's yeah. that makes people's careers right there. And she's filthy rich, too. Like, she's just absolutely filthy rich. Um, if we get into like pose her divorce from Elvis, apparently her initial her initial divorce settlement from Elvis was only like one hundred thousand dollars, which arguably would be that she got chipped. Right. But um, she ends up countersuing and got more money from Elvis. Um, and then when Elvis died in 1977, obviously Lisa, Lisa Marie was the sole inheritance of Elvis Presley Enterprises. But her grandfather was supposed to kind of take care of estate stuff until his death, and which he did. So Elvis, uh, Elvis's dad died two years after him. And bef- in his will, he stated Priscilla as kind of the person to make the decisions until Lisa turned 25. And when Priscilla started taking control, she figured out that Elvis's fortune was like less than $5 million. Wow. Well, and and to your point, her being filthy rich, she's worth 500 or I'm sorry, 50 million today. So, So, um, so then that's kind of when they, uh, so they were really throwing around the idea of selling Graceland because Graceland something like cost them like half a million dollars in taxes a year or something like that. And then that's when they decided to turn it into a tourist organization. And I think by the time like Lisa became 25, which was when she would inherit her share, her, the whole thing, it was already worth $500 million. Wow. All that money going into that and they still spell his name wrong. What do you think that's about? (laughs) Uh, You know what? I don't know. So when you, when you sent me a message earlier saying that I didn't even recall that. So I actually called my dad and I was like, do you remember that? And he, he's like, no not at all like what really so yeah Mandela he he, effect shit he, i don't know but he said he was gonna google it because i don't i don't recall that i don't recall that but you do go to graceland and it is kind of like a disneyland arguably right it's a huge it's not a huge house actually it's a very small house um with a huge property and they got horses and stuff like that but we we stay across the street and across the street from graceland is like museums gift shops i think there's a movie theater you know like there's so much stuff there right so it's just raking in money right consistently and when priscilla took over that's when they became like very controlling of anything elvis priscilla sued memphis mafia members for like for saying shit or releasing books and or videos and stuff like that they own they own everything you know they're almost like disney with how they kind of go after copyright things and things like that and that's arguably why the fortune's worth so much (laughs) that's fascinating and and, um i i did want to kind of point out really quick because i i think it's great that you asked your dad about this and it's kind of interesting he didn't remember either but it's because um the his elvis's middle name's aaron and typically it is spelt a-a-r-o-n right and if you google his name uh if you type in uh elvis aaron with one a presley it pops up Elvis Presley, right? Like you get you get the whole yeah. thing. Uh, but depending on where you're looking, if it's Wikipedia, it's spelled with two A's. But supposedly it is 100% uh, Elvis Aaron with one A Presley. So you get that kind of like double 
that double sort of like you can be right either way. But I, if you do a little bit of digging, you can find that his name is spelled, uh, his middle name is with one A. So that's just adding to the confusion. Yeah, no, that does seem really odd. And I know his, his twin brother. Yeah, um, that, that might be a thing. Je- was Jesse Garrett, which is, yeah. was G-A-R-O-N. And it was supposed to match. I think that was like his mom's intention was for the middle names to kind of match. Interesting. So, and Garen was with one A, right? So it makes sense that Aaron would be with one A as well. So, yeah, I, I didn't recall ever actually hearing that at all about that. And really? obviously, I didn't, I didn't think much when I saw his grave uh, like 10 years ago. Well, and, and that's the thing is because like, if you were to see it with one A, that would seem more off-putting. If it was spelt like regularly, like how Aaron typically is spelt, and then you get the, the single A Aaron, it would be like, uh, okay, there's something wrong there. But maybe the the double A is to kind of like evoke the um, the energy of his twin, because that's another thing that, um, you know, secret societies or like the, the power players do is they will oftentimes kill um, one of the twins out of, you know, it, let's say Elvis and Jesse. They kill Jesse so that uh, Elvis has the power of two souls. He's got Jesse's power and he's got his own power. And um, I know this is far out there kind of shit, but this is the kind of stuff that I've been really interested in because he's seen a lot of stuff with aliens. Elvis talks about aliens uh, pretty often. Uh, Talks about like the supernatural. Hey, thank you everybody for listening to Shayla and myself talk a little shit about Elvis and his pedophiliac ways. Tune into uh, Dangerous World at patreon.com. It's patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You get the rest of this episode and many others, exclusives. And uh, I'll be able to teach you how to get the feed onto your own RSS feed so you're listening to it the same way that you are listening to the free version. It's worth it, guys. Thanks for your support. <laughs>